know, there are moments when, even as a pastor, I, uh, I sometimes feel, you know, doing music as well as preaching. Enough people up here that can handle it. I want to worship too. So today, if you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew 6. Kids are dismissed to head downstairs. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. I like what the King James Version has to say, so I'll read that, and then I'll go into the New Living Translation. But I, for me, I, there's, there's just a word in here that sticks out to me, probably more than anything. And uh, this morning, as we speak on part two of defeating disappointments, I hope that you'll take this verse and really apply it to your life. Verse 33 says, But seek ye first it doesn't say but seek him second it doesn't say seek him third it doesn't say seek him fourth it says seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you verse 34 take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for things of itself here's what it says in the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously as he, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow may not come. You must live for today. Start right where you are. You can't do anything about what's gone on. But you can do a great deal of what remains. Friend, God desires your restoration even more than you do. If you'll let go of the past and start giving each day with faith and expectancy. God will restore everything that the enemy has ever stolen from you. God wants to take care of what? I said last week, he wants to take care of your scars and turn them into stars. God wants to take those disappointments and turn them into reappointments. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we pray for, for an anointing upon this message. Father, I pray that you'll just speak through me today. Hide me behind the cross. Endue me with your power. Anoint me with your word. Let us all walk out of here revived, knowing that there isn't anything that we cannot do. For your word says, I can do all things through Christ that gives us the strength that we need. So in our weakness, make us strong. Father, take and put aside all the distractions of this morning. And just, Father, help me to focus on you. For those that are here today, for those that are tuned in and are listening, Father, I pray that they'll put aside all their distractions 
and focus on you today. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's be frank. Sometimes because of wrong choices. Because we're disobedient or sin, we miss out on God's plan A. The good news is God has a plan B and he has a plan C. And whatever it takes to get us to his final destination for our lives, he'll work it out. Where she maybe you weren't the person who made the bad choice, but somebody else's foolish decisions caused you to experience wrenching heartache and pain. Regardless, you must stop dwelling on it. Let the past be the past. Forgive the person who caused you the trouble and start afresh right where you are today. If you continue to dwell on the past disappointments, you will block God's blessings in your life today. It's simply not worth it. Isn't it amazing how the enemy will take so many um, arrows you know, in our life, I'll tell you this past week in our business, I'll give you a story. I was doing a job up in Orange. I never even heard of Orange. I didn't know if it was a difference between an apple or a banana. But uh, I'm like, where's Orange? Orange is actually up there by Beechwood. It's the east side of Cleveland. And uh, they're building this new, you know, uh, cool legacy village. That's what I call it, or Crocker Park. And so our company was asked to go in and clean up the floors. So on Thursday night, uh, part of our Tackett's professional team, which is the Tackett family, ended up in Fairlawn, my wife and daughters. And, uh, and then Matt and I ended up heading towards Orange Village. We get up there and we're tackling these concrete floors. Well, I'll never forget back when I was just a young lad, many years ago, 26 to be exact, uh, I remember somebody saying to me, can you strip and wax tile floors? I looked at them and I said, well, sure, I can strip and wax VCT tile floors. And they're like, great, we would like you to do it. See, you don't start a company and say you can't do something. You start a company and you figure out how you can do something. And so you start working on it. And so I remember I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have never done this before. This is going to be a stressor if there ever was a stressor. I hope I don't disappoint these people. But so I went to the local janitorial supply house. Um, would like to thank Amy to, to this very day. She's been able to uh, make it very lucrative for the company as well as my family. Since I have four daughters and they were all in diapers, formula, <sighs> dresses. For, let me add an advertisement. Hopefully I'll get back to this. It was prom weekend. We have two out, two in. Next year we'll have three out, one in. But I'm finding out that the less that there are, the more expensive it's becoming. <laughs> now I'd like to, to just say that my wife and I were driving down the road and I said to, to my wife, I said, you know, I, I'm, eyebrows, eyeliner, pencils, Hair, nails, toes, nair. Oh, just kidding. Um, uh, all this stuff, dresses, shoes, tanning, tickets, flowers. Oh, help me, Jesus. I knew then I needed to do more floors. And so when someone asked, can you do a concrete floor? I said, I will facial mask. 
And I, I said, so can I, can I, did I, did I miss something yet? So anyhow, um, I said, I'll do the floors. Everything's so expensive, right? And so I went ahead and, and I said, we're going to do these floors. So Matt and I get there and I went up and looked at them and I looked at them and I looked at him some more and consulted with my good friend, Ron Unk. And I said, how do you do it? This is how I did it before. Together, we, we collectively came up with a great plan until I get to looking at the floors. Up close and personal. That means when you're down on your knees with some brushes and some scrapers, scraping and brushing 2,000 square feet. Christ alone is my cornerstone because I was losing all my faith, all everything that I had. Matt says, will we ever get done? So we had our machines and we're working and I mean, machines aren't going to pick up glue and stuff. So long story short, we got home bright and early, 10, 15, 10, 30 at night. I'm covered, water, mud. Matt says to me, my shoes are probably ruined. He, we were slopping water everywhere. And I lay in bed. But you see, before I go to bed, I go to my prayer closet. And I'm like, Lord, can I just make up an excuse today why I can't get down? Because I don't think I'll be able to get back up. My wife might have to find me in the closet on my knees because I'm in pain. It was hours, seven hours, I think, total six hours. And by the time we got almost seven that we were scrubbing and cleaning. And so I laid there and I was thinking about, I hope they're happy with the floors. Now, in the cleaning industry, it's all up to an individual. Do they like it or do they not like it? And so I go to sleep and at 4 37, 447, I wake up out of a dead sleep, stressing. Okay, God, I need to talk to you. I'm really stressed out here. I don't want to disappoint these customers. I want to do the best I can. I know they're coming into stain. The guy told me if the guy walks in and he sees anything on the floor, he's going to walk, turn around and walk back out. They're going to call me up on the phone. My kids are going to prom. I've got, we've got flowers to pick up. We've got another account to do. We've got all this stuff, and it all has to be done at 2 o'clock. So I couldn't sleep. So then I get up, go to my prayer closet. Dear Lord, please find me in your favor. Find them in my favor. Oh, Lord, help me. I can't. I get up. I go downstairs. I'm pacing the floor. My wife gets up. She's like, Todd, are you okay? I said, I'm not okay. As I'm pacing the floor and I'm all stressed out and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What about if they call me today? I'm going to have to look at them and say, uh, no, I don't want any of your money. Matter of fact, you just keep the money. I don't even want to deal with it today. Is my daughter's prom. I'm going to be here for them. And I'm not going to be here for this floor. And it's starting to really stress me out and I'm freaking out and then all of a sudden my wife goes what are you doing I said I'm cleaning the house because I can't sit and so at 6 45 in the morning I start I go grab stuff and I'm at the coffee table I'm back on my knees again thinking am I ever going to get back up off my knees and then I'm spraying down that glass and I'm thinking to myself as I keep going back to my cell phone for the 32nd time going have they called me yet they didn't call me and God said God I said what Remember what you said last week? Seek first the kingdom and don't worry. Because you don't have to worry. 
Now, just telling that story, I think I need a volume. <laughs> That's how bad I was worried over this. Now, for many of you that, that do not know me, I do not have obsessive compulsive disorder. I do not tell Matt to go around and make sure we get every nail and screw out of the concrete crack. And, uh, but we do. And uh, so anyhow, so as I'm cleaning that glass on that coffee table, God then starts to speak. And so I bowed my head and I said, God, I don't want to worry about this. You're right. I'm sinning. I've worked hard. I've done what I've needed to do. And if I have to, I'm just going to let it go. Have you ever been there? All of a sudden, my phone lights up. 8.47 in the morning. And when it lights up, it's the job supervisor. <laughs> okay, here I go. I walked over there to the counter, grabbed my phone, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, do you guys ever have that feeling like you just don't want to hit that button because you're afraid of the outcome? So I struggled. Remember, don't worry. And so I hit the button. And he said, the floors look great. All my wife heard was a thump on the floor. I passed out. She called 911. Just kidding. And I thought to myself, okay, plan A, plan B, plan C. What am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? And it was right then that, you know, I did my part. We did our part. We represented Christ. And, you know, uh, many times I'll find out even in, in my own walk and in my own spiritual life, I feel like, God, where are you? Have I disappointed you? If, where, you know, have, have, should I have chosen something different? Should I have said something different? And disappointment sometimes is very, very difficult to swallow. And in, I don't care where you're at in your workplace, even in the church, you don't want to be a disappointment to anybody. You don't want to be a disappointment to your spouse. You don't want to be a disappointment to uh, your children. But sometimes we are. And disappointments will come. One of the hardest things for me is to feel like I have disappointed somebody. And I will. It's inevitable. We will all disappoint someone somewhere. And at some time. And how will we get through that you deal with the issue, you cry out to God, you confront the issue, you talk to the person, and you work through it. And that's how we defeat disappointment. I love what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 10. The prophet Samuel suffered a horrible disappointment in his relationship with the first king of Israel. And many of you know who he was. His name was Saul. And as a young man, Saul was very humble and very shy. And in God's direction, Samuel picked him out of the crowd and declared him to be king of Israel. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a story. Saul was with his father. And his father told him in 1 Samuel chapter 9, I believe, he said, Son, I need you to go find the donkeys. And as he was going there, he had his servant with him. And his servant that was with him, as they were going there, he said, hey, did you hear about the prophet Samuel? And Saul said to him, what are you talking about, the prophet? You know, the seer. 
And he's like, no, well, do you, you do understand that he's actually down there in the city. Let's go see him so he can give us a word. Well, Saul didn't want to. And he said, hey, I've got some silver because you never went before the prophet without a gift. So I've decided to change our constitution. You never come before the pastor without longhorn gift cards and the clay oven gift. Just kidding. And uh, so he never went to him without a gift and that's how the old testament spelled it out and so they were they were discussing back and forth on the street what should we do how should we do this all that kind of good stuff and so and and samuel was already there and god had already spoken to samuel and here's what he said he said samuel because the nation of israel has turned their back on you they've turned their back on me foremost we're going to give them a king of israel And this king will rule over them. Be very careful what you ask for. Because once you get it, the outcome may not be what you thought it should be, could be, or would be. And so at this point, they're going down. They're before Samuel. And when God spoke to Samuel and said, there will be one that will come before you. And he will become the king. You will anoint his head with oil. He will be blessed and he will lead thousands and thousands. And so they get down there. They meet the prophet Samuel. And he's like, you're the man. And it was so funny because when I looked at the scriptures to think that, you know, God always uses those that are humbled. And I don't know why so many people feel like you must be qualified, that you have to look this part and act this part and dress this part and walk this part and talk this part. I love when somebody says to me, Pastor, I can't pray publicly. It makes me uncomfortable. Great. You're the next one to pray. That isn't anything. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Yes, and I understand that. For the same reason, it's very uncomfortable for me to declare a message every week. I have to rely on my Lord to deliver a message to challenge each and every one of us in our walk. And so they get together. They decide that at this point, Samuel speaks to Saul and his servant. And he says, don't you worry about your donkeys. We know where they're at. Don't you worry about what's going on. It's all good in the hood. And so back they went to dad. Then all of a sudden, Samuel goes, he speaks with them. And, you know, even Saul said, but do you understand? I am not of a tribe, of a wealthy tribe. And so all of this culture stuff is, is working out and they're talking back and forth. And I love what Samuel did. Samuel said, I will hearken and listen to the voice of God. Why don't we listen to the voice of God anymore? Because we have a voice of reason. See, in churches today and in our Christian circles, we don't have to listen to the Word of God any longer. You have to listen to liberalism. You have to listen to the voice of reason. You have to listen to, but this is what they're doing. So let's just conform to that atmosphere. But we know what the Bible has to say. And I love that Samuel, he listened to the voice of God. And here's what he did. Hey, Saul, where'd you go? Saul, has anybody seen Saul? Saul, the scripture says, was actually hiding. 
they found him hiding. Does that remind you kind of a little bit of us? Sometimes we hide. You know God's been speaking to you. You know God's been pressing on you. You know God's been trying to direct you. And what do you do? You run, you hide, you fight, you kick, you scream, and you just don't submit and surrender to what God has for you. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, they pull Saul in, and it says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? It says that in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, he was a choice young man, a handsome young man. And there was not among them the children of Israel a goodlier. Don't you like that word, goodlier? You know, I say spittle all the time because when you've got a gap in here, sometimes I spit. So, I, you know, in the scriptures it causes it spittle. So now I'm going to say, you know, how we could start something across America when we say God is good all the time and all the time. So here's what we need to say. God is goodlier. I, I was thinking about this, and then we say goodlier all the time. Would that go over well? Okay. I didn't think so. But he says he was a, a goodlier person. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, 9, it says, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. Samuel did his best to help Saul be a king who was pleasing unto God. Unfortunately, Saul refused to live in obedience to God, and God eventually rejected him as the king. In 1 Samuel fifteen twenty six, it said, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king of Israel. Imagine how Samuel must have felt. Maybe you've invested a lot of time, effort, money, emotion, and energy in a relationship you did your best to make it work out, but for some reason things got off course and now you feel as though you have been robbed. That's how Samuel must have felt. Devastated, heartbroken, disappointed. But as Samuel was nursing his wounded heart, God asked him an important question. The Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. How long are you going to mourn over that failed relationship? How long are you going to mourn over your broken dreams? That's the problem with excessive mourning. When we focus on our disappointments, we stop God from bringing fresh new blessings into our lives. It says, fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided seeing me a king among his sons. In other words, God said, Samuel, if you will quit mourning and get going, I'll show you a new, better beginning. I was kind of meditating last night, and I don't know how many chapters I read through in 1 Samuel. And it kind of reminded me, has anybody ever looked at this story like the Cinderella story? Because in the scriptures, here's what it says, that... Samuel sought out Saul, went back, and when he got there, all these brothers, he says, I'm here to see your son. Saul's father said, I've got this son, that son, this son, that son, and I won't go through all the scriptures. I can kind of sum it up for you. And all of them were coming forward to, to try on the glass slipper, 
It's really not the case, but that's what I thought in my head. Just to see if they would be the one who would be anointed king. And as soon as he saw Saul, he said, that's the man. I want to anoint him. Can you imagine the power of the prophets of old as they listened to the voice of God? And then God started using them mightily. And yet today we're so distracted and detoured from our own needs and our own wants. We're like the ugly stepsisters. When really we should be like Cinderella. It says that Jesus came to serve and not be served. She didn't consider her of amongst I'm the king or queen quality. I'm the ro- of the royal throne. No, she said, I've lost my father and here I am. And then there was Saul who said, hi. And it even says that when he was anointed with oil, that he even stood taller and higher in stature than any other man that was there. Isn't that amazing? Yet humble. Yet loving. Yet kind. In our own lives, we feel like when disappointment comes, we hang on to that disappointment. Because we love to mourn through it and cry through it and grieve through it. And the only way we'll ever defeat disappointment is to grab a hold of it and say, you know what? God has something better in store for me. I know how Samuel must feel. And if you've never been on your knees and you've never cried out to God and asked him, hey, God, I, I got to have a talk with you. My finances are a wreck, my marriage is a wreck, my kids are a wreck. I've got a kid who left home. I just don't know what to do. You'll never be able to defeat that disappointment and hear from God until you cry out to him and rely on him and surrender to his voice and his command when you need to. You see, our churches are filled with people today that as soon as you confront that disappointment, let me just let me put something in here. Do you ever feel like when you have to go to a sibling, to a spouse Do you ever feel like it's very difficult for me to go, I know, to my wife, my children say, you've disappointed me? you ever feel like that? Have you ever been in that place? Okay, I'm the only one. So I'd like to come to all of you for counseling this coming week. As people come to me, I, I need to come to you. And can you give me some words of advice and wisdom? No, what ends up happening is I hate that. I'm sorry I've disappointed you, Ron. I'm sorry, Sierra, I've disappointed you. That... You know, there's thank you. It's always nice when somebody says it's okay. But it is hard. And so Samuel, Samuel said, but God, he was the one who was chosen to lead your children. Oh, see, Samuel was supposed to go before they went out to battle. But Saul got impatient and took matters in his own hands. He said, oh, no, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do things my way. What are we learning from this story? That when God speaks, you move. When God speaks, stop sitting. When God speaks, revival can't take place in Akron, Ohio, until we start to move upon his prompting. We can sing songs like, thank you, Lord, cornerstone. I have a friend in God, but is he really your friend if you're not listening to him? Are you truly seeking him out if you're not listening to him? How can you have a relationship with him if you don't seek him out? 
We need to work hard at seeking the face of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. When you feel like sometimes you, you just, you can't do it anymore. You've disappointed so many people. I'm here to say to America, I have been a big, huge, fat disappointment as a pastor to many people. So for everybody listening, sometimes I'm a disappointment. For those that are here, it's sad because we are. Pastoring is not an easy job. My wife has been a disappointment to so many. My children probably have disappointed others. And now we as a congregation, we should have been there. We should have done that. We become a disappointment. But here's where we can change. Do we hang our hat? Do we hang our laurels and everything else on the disappointment of 10 and forget the 150, the 1,500, the 750? No, we keep on keeping on. We defeat that disappointment. And when Satan starts to tell you, you can't do it, you look at him and say, oh, yes, I can. Because I can do all things through Christ. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where reality starts to take place. Saul was God's first choice. But when Saul wouldn't walk in obedience, God didn't say, well, Samuel, I'm so sorry. Saul blew it, and that ruins everything. No, God always can come up with another plan. And if you will stop feeling sorry for yourself and instead do what the Bible says, your future can be brighter than ever. God has a plan for you. Don't stop serving him because something didn't go right in your family, your church, or your job. I'm not quitting. How's that for you? Everybody, look what's going on over there. I have had a lot to learn, and I'm still learning. I haven't arrived, but I know, I know where my calling is at. It isn't in Indiana. It isn't in Florida. Lord, please make it there. It isn't, it, it is, it's right here in Akron, Ohio. And even though disappointment's going to come, and Samuel said, but God, he was the man. God said, no, I've got a plan B. We're going to rise up David. He's going to be a great king. Notice what God told Samuel to do. Fill your horn with oil. Have a fresh new attitude. Put a smile on your face. Get the spring back in your step and be on your way. Here's what Samuel could have said. God, I just can't do this. I'm too heartbroken. I gave so much of myself in that relationship, and now it's gone wasted. But if Samuel would not have trusted God at that point, he might have missed out on King David, one of the greatest kings in the Bible. If we wallow in our disappointments, we risk missing out on the new things God wants to do in our lives. It's time to get up and get going. God has another plan. For you, for us, for your family, for your kids, and your workplace. And you have to believe that it's better than you can even imagine. Samuel had a plan. He was disappointed that it didn't turn out like he had planned. It says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look, look not unto his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I don't know your hearts. Only God does. I don't know your intent. Only God does. 
So if your heart is pure and it's in the right place, then all things will work out for good. Maybe you put a lot of time, effort, and resources into your plan. Maybe you've prayed about it. You've believed. Maybe you've spent a a lot of money. But now you can clearly see that the door is closing and you are disappointed. Some of you may have said, God, how can I ever let go of this? It's going to be such a waste. I put so much into it and all I can see is failure. Right there. Right there is where you must dare to trust God knowing that he has another plan and yet a better plan for you. He wants to do something new in your life. You must let go of the old so you will be ready and able to receive the new plan God has for you. God will do more than you can even ask or think. God will do more than you can even ask or think. I'm going to say this in closing. We all encounter circumstances that can cause us to grow negative, bitter or disappointed with ourselves or God. But I love what the Apostle Paul has to say. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, Brothers, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Forgetting the things that are behind and pressing forward to what God has in store for us. Why do you keep dwelling on the past? Why do we keep bringing up the old junk in your trunk? Why do we, we, we base our life on the past when we don't have to? Paul was saying, I'm not going to dwell on yesterday's disappointments. I'm not even going to dwell on my past failures. I'm not going to think about what I would have done or should have done. I'm leaving that all behind. And I'm looking ahead for the good things that God has in store for me. That's faith. And that's the kind of attitude we should all have. Can I encourage all of you this morning that every morning when you get up, refuse to dwell on what you did wrong the day before. Refuse to dwell on yesterday's disappointments. Get up each day knowing that God is a loving God and He's a forgiving God. He has great things in store for you. Verse 14 of Philippians says, I press toward the mark for the prize. Of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Church, I've been where you're at. I've never been in a place, year number one, five, seven. Those are three years that were difficult in our marriage. One, five, seven. If you haven't made it to seven, start praying now. We can help you out with that. If you haven't made it to year five, we can help you out with that too. Year number one was difficult for us. We didn't have the type of counsel that was offered to so many couples. That's why I love to pour into people's lives. And I make it real. man told me this past week, he said, man, you make counseling so personal and real. You bring stuff out of us that we never even thought was in there. And that's the idea. Because you're going to have to face your spouse one of these days. In that upcoming year after you say, I do. 
And there might be some disappointments. There might be some heartbreaks. But if you press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, you can get through anything. And we got through it, didn't we? We sought out Dr. Gary Chapman of the five love languages. We love it. Thank you, Dr. Gary Chapman, because you helped us. You helped us so that we could help others. And I believe that sometime our hardship and our disappointments as husband and wife had made us stronger to help others. I know that this church has had over 50 couples that have gone through my office downstairs in premarital counseling. So that's 50 couples that had resources that, that I didn't look at defeat. Dad married four times. Mom married three. The odds were already against me. What was going to happen? Her dad married four times. Her mom married twice. The odds were against us. We just needed to, to stand up and say, we can do this and we're going to press on. We're not going to get, give up. Don't let disappointment defeat you. It's not always easy to get over some of those bumps in the road, those disillusionments and disappointments. It's going to take a strong will. Sometimes it may take courage. Sometimes nothing but faith in God and sheer determination will see you through. But you can say, I refuse to be trapped in the past. I'm not going to let the past destroy my future. I'm pressing on. I'm straining forward, knowing that God has great things in store for me. Isn't that a great thought? Why do we lose our faith? It is difficult, but God has great things in store for you. And when you make mistakes, as we all do, humble yourself and receive God's forgiveness and mercy. Had Saul done that, God could have used him and moved mightily. Be willing to forgive yourself. Don't ever live in regret. Regret will only interfere with your faith. And faith must always be a present tense reality, not a distant memory. God will turn those disappointments around. He will take your scars and he will turn them into stars for his glory. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Father, this morning as we come before you, help us to seek your face first. Help us to be challenged. Help us, Lord, to overcome and to defeat disappointment. Realizing, Lord, as the scripture revealed, there will be many that will disappoint us. And even with Samuel, he resigned from his position. It was too difficult. God, I know I've, I've often been there over the 20 years of ministry, but Lord, it's been worth it. Lord, thank you for the victories of pastoring. Thank you, Father, for your cross, for your son Jesus that gives us hope. Thank you that, as Paul said, we can press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you. As Jesus told us to seek you first and your righteousness so many things will be added God today I pray that the people that are here won't be like the children of Israel will not be like Saul and Lord they'll stop running but yet Lord you will tug on their heartstrings. they will surrender to what you have for them Lord help them to be a light in the workplace 
Help them to be a light to their kids and to their family. Help them to be a light, Lord, in public. Help them to be a blessing and a great role model. But more importantly, Father, help us to mirror you. Lord, today, help us to surrender. And as we come before your throne and at the foot of the cross, Father, we cry out to you for your redemption and for your forgiveness. But Lord, help us to stand tall as we know that someday you will call us home. And this earthly life will be gone. But heaven awaits for all of us with great reward as we serve you. Bless your people. Speak to them this morning. Move them this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.